0: Welcome to Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast that's devoted to helping you live enthusiastically today and tomorrow and every other day of your life. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and the author of the best-selling and award-winning book, I'm proud to say, Rejuvenaging: the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. The guests that we feature are on this podcast are people who not only lead their own lives enthusiastically, but have ways of helping you to do the most effective job of being the best version of yourself by giving you the opportunity to live enthusiastically. And I think one of the best ways of doing that is to not have to worry too much about health insurance, money running out, things of this nature. So today's guest is really going to be providing us with a lot of expertise as well as enthusiasm. Danielle Roberts is an insurance expert who writes regularly for many online publications, including Forbes, where she is a member of the Finance Council. She's a TCU journalism graduate and former magazine editor. She enjoys sharing her knowledge about Medicare, retirement, and insurance so that baby boomers can prepare for the costs of health care in retirement. She regularly appears as a guest expert on healthcare podcasts and radio shows. And Danielle is the co-founder of Baby Boomers. Uh, Boomer Benefits. Sorry about that. Danielle, welcome to Rejuvenaging. It's a thrill to have you here.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. And yes, actually, lots of people search for us online as Baby Boomer Benefits. So that makes me happy. It's exactly the demographic that we serve.
0: Obviously, it's a timely time to have you on the podcast because we're either around the corner or in the midst of uh, the enrollment period for Medicare and re-enrollment period. And let me throw that at you. I mean, I know those of us, I mean, obviously I'm in, in your demographic, <laughs> mailbox gets filled with lots of stuff from lots of insurance companies, uh, Medicare, there's all kinds of things that we have to try to sort out, but it's really, really difficult. So we. Start out a little bit uh, telling us about, you know, what this period actually is and what we're supposed to do to navigate it correctly.
1: Yeah. And it is confusing, right? Because what you mentioned about the mail onslaught, which begins six months before you turn 65. And then you'll notice once a year afterward, you kind of get the second onslaught. And that is all, of course, due to the Medicare annual election period, or some people call it the fall open enrollment period. So when you first join Medicare, you have an enrollment period to get yourself initially situated. But then after that, there's an annual election period so that anyone on Medicare who has enrolled in a Part D drug plan or one of the Medicare Advantage plans, either of those types of coverage, will have an opportunity to enroll in, change, or disenroll from that coverage. And the reason for that is when you... Sign up for Medicare and you decide to set up your supplemental coverage, you've got two options, either your traditional Medigap plan with a standalone Part D drug plan or a Medicare Advantage plan, which often incorporates the Part D. Those Advantage Plans and Drug Plans are annual contracts, which means that plan is only good for that one year at a time. And then the next year, the coverage can be different, the premiums can be different, your co-pays, your co-insurance, the pharmacy network, the doctor network, all of those things on that plan are subject to change because, of course, Medicare itself changes the deductibles for Medicare, and it changes your co-pays on certain things, and your plan absorbs many of those things for you, so then they have to have a period where they can adjust their benefits. So, in September, if you're on one of those types of coverage, Part D or Medicare Advantage, you'll get a notice in your mailbox that is called the Annual Notice of Change, and this is very handy, and even though, Ron, it comes like a big doorstopper of a packet. And when you look at it, you know, you just have heartburn and you don't want to deal with this packet. But really, if you open it up, it's mostly stuff that you're going to put into a file cabinet somewhere. But the top letter in the annual notice of change packet will literally be a side by side breakdown of everything that's changing. So if the premium is going from $20 to $23 on your drug plan, or from 23 down to 20, which premiums on these can go up or down, there'll be a listing of that. If the deductibles are changing, if there's drugs being dropped off of the formulary, all of those things that are different for 2020 or the upcoming year from how your benefits worked this year will be outlined in this annual notice. So it's super important for everyone on Medicare to review that packet, take 10 minutes, sit down with it, and see if there's anything alarming in there. For instance, if you're someone with diabetes and you have a Lantus Flex Pen, which is easy a $600 medication and you want to make sure you, you get a copay on that so that you don't end up paying $600. Well, your current plan might cover that, but if they're dropping it for next year and you still take that medication, you don't want to miss your opportunity to change plans to one that will still include that. So especially if you take some expensive brand name medications, but really everyone should do a review of this packet. And then if you find something you're not happy about your opportunity to change is that annual election period, or also called the fall open enrollment, which begins on October 15th and goes to December 7th. And this is the time when you can make a change. So you can call 1-800-MEDICARE and have them help you with the change. You can call a broker like Boomer Benefits and we can assist you, or you can go online yourself to medicare.gov and you'll be able to search for other plans there and you can enroll or disenroll from their website as well. And any of the changes that you make then will be effective January 1st. One last thing I like to always tell about the annual election period is it has nothing to do with the Medigap plan. So if you have a traditional Medicare supplement like Plan F or G or N, That is not changing. Your benefits don't change. The premiums don't change. Not on an annual calendar year schedule anyway. So you don't have to worry about that part of your coverage. But you do want to review that packet you get in the mail for either your drug plan or your Advantage plan if you happen to be enrolled in either of those types of coverage.
0: Just from a practical standpoint, aren't all these companies competing for the same same population? Why, Why should there be variation among plans?
1: Yeah, it's so true. And the reason that you find the variation is that Medicare's only parameter, they set some basic guidelines for these plans. So for instance, Medicare in 2019 announced that drug plans can have a deductible of no more than $415. So Medicare sets that. So that tells the plan insurance company, they can't charge 420, but they could charge 415, they could charge 300, they could charge 200, they could charge nothing. So within those parameters, the insurance companies, they take a look at the, benefits that they offer, and then they try to price their plan attractively enough to get people to enroll in it. But of course, they're also insurance companies and they're in business for profit. So they're going to be managing things that they can manage within those plans. And so that's why you can see a really wide array of premiums. For instance, there are drug plans in the United States as low as $10 to $15 a month. And there are some that are over $150 a month. And you might think, well, how could there be that much difference? Well, typically, the ones with the really high premiums, they might have some special coverage for certain types of medications. For instance, they might have really great deals on diabetes medicines, and so that might be a plan that someone with that health condition would will be willing to pay more for. But for a lot of people who are really healthy like yourself and maybe only take a couple of medications or no medications, they're going to be more attracted to a plan that's 10 or $15 a month. And although the benefits or drugs covered may not be as rich as a more expensive plan, they are at least going to still fall within the federal guidelines. So they've got to have two medications of every therapeutic class in, on the formulary. So if tomorrow you develop a new health condition, there's drugs on there that your doctor can choose from to treat you. They also have to cover anti-cancer, antipsychotic, psychotic anti anti-seizure medicines. Those are some of the basic guidelines. But other than that, it's fair game to kind of change up those benefits how they want as long as they play within that playing field that Medicare sets for them.
0: Is that kind of where you and Boomer Benefits come in to to try to help sort this stuff out? Because for somebody who doesn't think in those kinds of terms, like myself, it seems, (laughs) you know, pretty overwhelming.
1: Sure. And yes, that's exactly where it is. You know, when I started this agency, we used to work with people helping companies set up their group employer coverage, and this led to me meeting business owners who sometimes only set up a personal plan for themselves and didn't offer health benefits for their employees. And we would have people asking me about their parents, asking me about their aunt or their uncle or someone they knew that was going into Medicare and saying, you know, I thought this was confusing, but when I tried to help my mom with her Medicare, like, whoa, like nothing makes any sense at all. And how can you help us? And we didn't do that kind of benefits back then. So eventually after enough people asked me that question, I went out and found out like, what is Medicare all about? What are supplements? What are drug plans? Who offers them? How can I sell them? And what is the problem here that's so confusing? And what I found is that it was just a beast of a plan. I mean, Medicare itself has the four parts and then you have 10 Medicare supplements and there's 20 to 30 drug plans in every state. And then you add the Medicare Advantage element as a totally different option. And those have networks and doctors that may or may not be on the network. And so, you know, to your average consumer, especially someone turning 65 or getting ready to retire and go on Medicare, you know, they've got their sights set on more interesting things about retirement. And the last thing they want to do is wade through six months of material learning Medicare from top to bottom. So that's where we come in. We do a lot of education for boomers here. We have webinars that you you can attend if you're new to Medicare. We have a six-day email course. So if you'd rather have me in your email inbox explaining Medicare on six lessons, you can do it that way. We've got a website with a lot of information. And so I would say 80% of what we do is educating folks on their basic benefits first, things like we're talking about today, like enrollment periods, the parts of Medicare, what's covered, what's not, what everything costs. And so once we help people learn that piece, then we come in and we show them the options for how to fill in the gaps for things that Medicare doesn't cover. Because many people are surprised to turn 65 and find out that Medicare isn't free. You know, we go all our working lives paying these taxes, and we think that we're going to be covered someday when we turn 65. And then we find out Medicare only covers about 80% of our expenses, and we're going to need some supplemental insurance to cover those other things so that we don't get caught with some high out-of-pocket expenses. And that's where we come in and just kind of show people the different routes you can go, show them the different types of coverage and what they cost, and really help them narrow down to something that their doctor accepts, that includes their medications that they need, and that fits their personal needs and their budget.
0: All right. This is really fantastic information. But I'm wondering, I know some people who continue to work past the normal retirement age, and they're covered on their employer's insurance. At some point, they move on from that, and is Medicare, if you're paying for it, if I as a person is paying for it, is Medicare always a better deal, or one of the Medicare, either traditional or Advantage plans, always a better deal than insurance that you can get in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, great question. So if you have employer coverage, and you're still working, if that most people work for a large employer with 20 or more employees. And in that case, they often just sign up for Part A hospital insurance, because Part A costs you nothing if you've worked at least 10 years in your lifetime and paid taxes. So a lot of times they'll enroll in part A at 65, but then later they go to retire at age 67 or 70, and they need to add on parts B and D, and they also need to enroll in supplemental coverage. Well, when you are in that situation where you've got the employer coverage from a large employer, most of the time that employer is contributing something toward the cost of that health insurance. And so usually it's a better deal for you to stay on that coverage as opposed to transitioning over to Medicare as your primary insurance. But sometimes you might have someone that works for a small company where Medicare is already the primary coverage because that's how it works for groups with 20 or fewer employees. And they may be paying a significant part of the cost of that group health insurance. Employers have to cover a minimum of 50 percent, so you could be paying the other 50 percent. And for those people, it does make sense to look at what would it cost me to leave the group coverage and go on to Medicare instead. And if I did that, would it be a better option to enroll in an Advantage plan or a Medicare plan? supplement. And those things depend on a number of factors. Uh, Obviously, your budget is one, but also which plans do your doctors accept? So original Medicare with a Medigap plan allows you to see any doctor nationwide that accepts Medicare, which is about 91% of all physicians. So you've got a lot of access on that plan, no referrals needed, there's no network per se that's designated by an insurance company. So people that go that route, you know, they may be willing to pay a little more for their coverage so that they have that freedom of access. On the other hand, you have somebody that's living on a fixed income and maybe doesn't want to spend... $150 $150 or $200 a month, depending on where you live, for a Medicare supplement. They might enroll in an Advantage plan, and the Advantage plans are typically more of your local network type plan. So they might be operating, say, in two or three counties right around where you live or at the largest statewide, and they have a lot more control then over the costs that are involved in your health care. And so they offer the plans for considerably lower premiums, and that's all fine and dandy. If if your doctor is in the network and accepts the plan your favorite hospitals are in the network and the built-in drug plan if there is one includes the medications that you need so it's really not very cut and dried. like which route is better it's something where you've got to actually sit down and compare the costs and then decide okay do I want to stay with my group insurance or go on medicare and if I'm going on medicare do I want an advantage plan or a Medigap plan so lots of moving parts there to keep track of
0: yeah there's a lot to to remember'm yeah. uh, <laughs> gonna have to replay this with the <laughs> show notes and all that. but I'm wondering historically, and I'm part of it being on a medical staff and so on, but historically, we've been kind of more focused on disease and dealing with you know what diseases are covered. Things of that nature. Is wellness a consideration in any of these plans? I know with some of the uh, non-Medicare plans that are available for younger people that, that there are incentives for, for doing things to take care proactively of, of your own health. Is that part of the picture at all?
1: I love this question because I would really love to see much more of this taking place in the Medicare market, similar to like a lot of companies these days with employer plans can build in wellness initiatives and employees can participate in challenges and everything to get healthy. There are a few things with Medicare. So first of all, Medicare itself comes with a whole range of preventive care options, most of which are covered at 100%. And this is different than how Medicare was when I first started working with these products back in 2005 and six. So they have come a long way. They've added more benefits to the preventive care. And these are things that are covered like, you know, mammograms and cancer screenings, diabetes screenings, depression screenings. There's a lot of things in there that are designed for wellness. You know, a checkup to make sure that we catch any conditions early, that we don't have to pay out of pocket for things that we might otherwise skip and they've added a whole list of those in fact you can find this on the medicare.gov website just typing in preventive care there's even things in there like aneurysm screenings for people that qualify for that there's smoking cessation programs which are a huge push toward wellness and then for the medicare advantage plans a lot of them have the option to incorporate what we call ancillary benefits. And these would be things like dental, vision, and hearing services, but they also can include gym memberships. So if you are somebody, one of the groups of people that Medicare Advantage plans really appeal to are very healthy people who say, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of money on this Medicare Part B and then a Part D and then a supplement and I don't know go to the doctor but once a year for my checkup or I go to the doctor every now and then for a cold and flu. That particular type of person is very attracted to the Medicare Advantage model because some Medicare Advantage plans offer their plans for as low as what's called a zero premium, meaning you don't pay anything more than what you already pay for Medicare Part B. You've got to be enrolled in A and B to get an Advantage plan, but some of the plans will set the premium for the plan itself at zero to attract people into the plan. And so somebody that's super healthy that's looking at a Medicare Advantage plan with a zero premium, and they're saying, why would I want to, you know, not do this as opposed to paying, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month out of pocket for a Medigap plan? Well, one other attractive piece of that kind of plan is it might have silver sneakers built in, or some of the plans have something called silver and fit. So, depending on the region and the Medicare Advantage plan, a lot of them will incorporate gym memberships. And something that I've noted about a lot of these plans, Silver Sneakers in particular, is that it's not just about the gym membership. There's also the aspect of the things that you've discussed in your book, Ron, like the social aspect of getting out and interacting with other people. They even have certain field trips and they do sometimes computer learning or they'll bring in a special speaker. There's fitness classes that are done in a group. You can do water aerobics. Or chair aerobics or yoga. And although it's exercise focused, there's a whole other aspect of just keeping yourself engaged and. You know, living with a style of enthusiasm, you might say, that would be very appealing to someone who's that type of model, who's looking at how much I want to spend and, hey, why can't I just enroll in this plan over here that costs me very little? But wow, I'm going to get this amazing gym membership as well. And then I can concentrate on my wellness. So the insurance companies are wise to the fact that those things all help with your health as you age. And they want to get you involved in things like that so that you have fewer health concerns and more expensive health concerns later on is the theory. Of course, I'm a big believer in it. I think that people that do those things do stay more engaged and it's very good for their health. A lot of the Medicare supplements don't include those types of things. They're not allowed to include Dental vision or hearing, so you would have to purchase that type of insurance separately. And there's only a few supplements out there in certain areas that cover a gym membership. And typically, you might find that the premium on that supplement is a little more than some of the competitors because of the gym membership. So it's more the advantage plans that seem to have really gotten on board with how important that wellness part is.
0: Well, I must have lucked out because my supplement includes silver sneakers. Yay! uh, (laughs) I basically use it to. to go use the equipment and mm-hmm. elliptical and all of the the regular stuff. Uh, I do pass the room where again there there might be people doing chair yoga, yes, uh, doing kind of more modified types of things. Who, if that wasn't had not been available to them, probably would not get to a gym and would not be in a group with fifteen other people whom they can interact with and yeah. You know, really feel good about themselves and hopefully help to prevent some, some preventable uh, illnesses and diseases from occurring. So, really yes. happy to hear that, that at least some supplements and apparently many of the Advantage plans have that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you totally. Because as a woman myself, I know I go to my fitness classes at my gym. While I also use the weight machines and the cardio equipment, there are certain classes that I like. And over the years, I've gotten to know some of the other people in those classes. In fact, I have a membership at a gym here in Fort Worth called Flawless Fitness. And on my Monday, Wednesday, Friday workouts, I have a little workout partner who's almost 70. (laughs) And she's my favorite person in the gym. And we do all we always work out together in the sets that they set for us. And so that whole aspect of the social part really does keep people coming back. If it works for someone my age, it's definitely going to work for people of any age. So you can kind of pick and choose how you want to use those benefits. And there's got to be, you know, lots of evidence for why those things help us with not just our, you know, physical wellness, but just state of being state of mind and, you know, ability to function in the world because you have a purpose to get up and go and be involved in things in your life.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of good science to demonstrate that that not only helps from a physical health standpoint, but makes changes in the brain chemistry. And also loneliness is right up there with smoking, mm-hmm. uh, obesity, and sedentary lifestyle in terms of longevity reducers. So, you know, Kim yeah. is, is a real good place to, to be able to get several benefits. I said I lucked out maybe by getting a supplement that got me to the gym. I probably also lucked out just generally in terms of, uh, you know, I didn't take a lot of time and study when I initially enrolled and I may have gotten the wrong supplement. I don't know. But what are some of the mistakes that people make? Because I know that not everybody, you know, consults with somebody who knows what they're doing before they enroll.
1: Sure, so a number of mistakes that we see, some common enrollment mistakes. One of them I alluded to earlier, which is if you are still working, if you happen to work for a small employer with less than 20 people, in that circumstance, Medicare is primary and your group and coverage is secondary. So that means that you need to enroll in both parts A and B during your initial enrollment window to avoid penalties. So your initial enrollment period for Medicare is around your 65th birthday, and it begins three months before the month that you turn 65. It goes through that month, and then it lasts for three months after that. That's a seven-month window, and you need to enroll in Medicare during that window to avoid penalties unless you have creditable coverage from another source. Employer insurance is creditable coverage, but only if that employer has 20 or more full-time and part-time employees. So occasionally we see someone that works for a small company and they've talked to someone that works for a big company and their friend tells them, oh yeah, you, my broker told me you can wait, you can wait to enroll. And so what ends up happening is they either go in to have a outpatient surgery and get just flabbergasted to find out that they have to pay 80% of the cost of that surgery because they never enrolled in the Part B that would have covered that, Or on the lucky chance that the carrier says, oh, we'll cover that, the group carrier, you still, even if that were to happen, which most of the case, you are going to be on the hook for the bill, you still later when you finally figure out your mistake and you go to enroll in Part B, you have to wait until the general enrollment period to enroll, which is from January 1st to March 31st. So let's say you figured this out in May. You would have to wait all the way until the following January to sign up for Part B. Your benefits then wouldn't begin until the following July, so it would leave you for over a year without that Part B coverage, and you would owe a 10% penalty on top of what you would normally pay. For Part B for every year that you waited. So if you figured this out two years down the road, you finally signed up for Part B, you would owe a 10% higher monthly premium for Part B for the rest of your life for as long as you were enrolled in Part B. So it's super important to make sure you exercise that initial enrollment period of seven months unless you know that you have solid, credible coverage from a large employer, meaning you're staying on that group coverage and it's large employer insurance that's primary to Medicare. So that's one of the big ones that we see. Another one is when people don't know the difference between Medicare supplements and Medicare Advantage plans, they often will enroll in the Advantage plan because they're cheaper without understanding that they're different from a Medicare supplement. So when you mentioned like yourself, you didn't know a whole lot and you picked a supplement and it's worked out very well for you, that's a good way to come in without knowing a lot because the supplement has very predictable coverage. You can see any doctor, as I mentioned earlier, there's no referrals necessary that are going to blindside you out of nowhere. The coverage can travel with you, you can see doctors in Colorado and Florida, and that coverage is Really good coverage. It's going to give you peace of mind. If you're in the hospital, you don't have to worry about what kind of bills are going to come in the mail. So, the coverage is pretty solid, but it costs a little more. So, people will go and look at all the options and sign up for an advantage plan with a zero premium. And then January rolls on around and they're locked into this plan and they find out their doctor's not in the network, their hospital's not in the network, or they have to pick a primary care physician and it's not their doctor that they chose or they forgot to choose a doctor and now they've got to get that done, which delays their treatment. Maybe they don't like the hassle of the network and now they find out they've got to see the primary care doctor first for referral before they can see a specialist. Like all of these things come into play that can be make somebody, you know, suddenly feel like I'm stuck in this coverage and it doesn't work for me. There are some limited windows that you can use to make changes when that happens but if you miss that window and then you're stuck in the plan all the way till the end of the calendar year so another mistake is just not understanding the coverage so my advice on that would be to anyone new to medicare give yourself six months so when you are 64 and a half that's when you need to start learning. Read what you can on Medicare.gov. You can visit our website. You can go to YouTube. We have a channel there, but there's also a number of other channels put out by brokers like us, but also by insurance companies like United Healthcare and Humana and Blue Cross. They have great channels with very educational videos that will teach you the basics. So learn all the differences between them. Make sure you fully understand, you know, what the difference is between a Part C Medicare Advantage plan and a Medicare supplement. And that way, when you enroll in the plan. You're not going to have any nasty surprises in the back end that you weren't speaking about. Make a list of your medications and go to Medicare's website. There's a plan finder tool where you can enter those and you can do some research ahead of time to see what am I going to be spending on my drug plan once I get to Medicare. And that way you can account for the costs. The last thing is that sometimes we see people, they hear that Medicare Part B has a premium, which is $135.50 a month for most people. But they miss the part that says, if you're in this small little bracket of people with higher incomes, you're going to pay more for Parts B and D than everyone else based on your modified adjusted household gross income. So I've actually seen people a couple times in my career where they left a job and they've transitioned and signed up for Medicare Part B, and they were expecting that Part B to cost $135 a month, but based on their income, when they find out Medicare Part B is gonna cost them $400 a month. Well, this is a big difference, and if you've budgeted a certain amount for living expenses during your retirement, it can really catch you out of left field. So super important to research the costs ahead of time based on your income so that when you do come into Medicare, you know exactly what you're going to be spending, and that way there's no chance that you're going to get a bill that you literally can't pay or were unprepared to pay. Oh,
0: that's really... Important information. Unfortunately, some of it is scary when you, (laughs) in terms of the fact that if you make a mistake, you may have to wind up paying a higher premium for the rest of your life. Yeah. And if you want to live a long time, that could be a substantial amount of money. So you said the time to really start looking into it is when you're about 64 and a half. Mm -hmm. Does the fact that the Social Security age has risen? Does that affect the Medicare age at all? It's still 65 when you can enroll?
1: That's correct. So you're always eligible for Medicare at 65. You're eligible for Social Security at 62. And the only way that really impacts Medicare is that if you enroll in Social Security at 62 – when you turn 65, your Medicare card is going to show up automatically in your mailbox a couple of months before you turn 65, because mm-hmm. Social Security will assume that since you are signed up and taking retirement benefits, that you have retired, and therefore they will assume that you need medical benefits, so they'll automatically enroll you. Well, if you are still working and you didn't want to enroll in Medicare yet, then you need to disenroll or mail your card back into them with a signature on the back showing that you don't need the Part B right now. So that is important to be aware that. Social Security and Part A are linked. So if you sign up for Social Security at 62, when you turn 65, you're going to be enrolled in Medicare Parts A and B. You have to keep A. You can decline the B and send that back. So that's really the only main way that Social Security is connected. If you didn't take Social Security yet and you turn 65, then you need to initiate your own enrollment because Medicare will assume that you're still working and you still have health insurance. So then you want to contact the Social Security office. You can do that online or in person go down and get enrolled in Medicare and then they'll start deducting that Part B premium out of your monthly Social Security check. Uh, So that's another thing to be prepared for that once you start taking Social Security, they're going to deduct that premium for Part B out automatically.
0: And once again, just so we don't get lost in the letters, B is for the physicians and A is yes, hospital.
1: Yeah, um, outpatient medical and physicians is B, and part A is your inpatient hospital and skilled nursing hospice, things like that.
0: Okay. And you said that uh, you talked about retiring or at age 62, but I think now if you're born after a certain date, you can't collect full Social Security until a higher age. Does it impact on Medicare in any way or is Medicare still 65?
1: Yeah, fortunately on that one, Medicare is 65. So even if your retirement age is a little bit later based on your birth date, you're going to be eligible for Medicare at 65. And everyone who has lived in the U.S. continuously for at least five years will be eligible for Medicare. And 99% of people will be eligible for Part A to be Zero premium because you have already paid taxes during your working life, or you were married to someone who did, and so you're eligible to get the Part A for no premium. Yeah,
0: it's uh, kind of an important thing to keep in mind because now some people are delaying taking Social Security if they can afford to, but they still have to be cognizant of that seven month period around age 65.
1: Yeah, they sure do because you could miss that. You know, you've got your social security set up and if you're not encountering any health issues, you could let that window go right on by and not be aware of it.
0: Okay, my head is loaded with a lot of this information. (laughs) So I think I'm gonna ask you uh, at least one other thing that doesn't involve lots of uh, data and stuff like this, but looking at your background, how did you get into this field? As your journalism major, yeah. uh, right? Written. What uh, what got you into this field? And because uh, I know you, you're very passionate about
1: it. Yeah, it's kind of a long circuitous route, but the main thing that happened is I went to school for journalism and I've always enjoyed writing. I love doing this. And so it was easy for me to pick that major because I knew I would enjoy being on the college newspaper and learning all about reporting and things like that. And I did well at that. But when I went to find a job, after I graduated from TCU, which is a private university, and I had lots of loans, student loans that I owed back. Well, the highest job offer that I got working in anything journalism was in Dallas, which is a fair hike from Fort Worth, and it was 17000 a year with no benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not even enough for me to live on. This was in 95 when your dollar stretched a little more than it does today, but it certainly was not enough for me to cover my student loans. And I had other offers that were even less than that. So it's just not a field. That would enable me to meet my obligations to pay the government back for my student loans. So, I found a job in business. I worked in a, for a staffing agency for about ten years. Right out of college, started for them two days after graduation, and I really enjoyed that work for a number of years, worked my way up to a district manager role and learned from an amazing entrepreneur there all about running a business. He still runs that business here in Dallas-Fort Worth today, and uh, it's a great business. But after about 10 years, my entrepreneur bug was just always kind of in my background. I was an entrepreneurial kid. My brother and I sold earthworms to fishermen when we were kids. We washed cars in our neighborhood. We We bought our own trampoline when our mom wouldn't buy us one. Like we were very entrepreneurial and I knew I wanted to do my own business someday, but I couldn't figure out. A good field to do it. In, and I didn't want to do it in the staffing industry because humans are unreliable. So if you sell somebody that they're going to have a receptionist show up tomorrow morning and that receptionist calls you the day before or the night of and says, nah, I'm not going to take that job or just no shows, the client is mad. And this is the never ending staffing game is you're trying to find good people to match with good jobs, but you can't control either of those factors. So I looked for a couple of years trying to find something. And then a friend of mine went to a group interview for an insurance job and I went along with her just to see what it was all about. And right when I came out of that meeting, I'm like, this is it. This is the thing I've been looking for. It's a product that I can sell to people who need it it's going to be educational. I can learn something that's confusing to people and deliver a service they need explaining that product. And it doesn't perish. It doesn't require inventory. I don't have to open a restaurant. I don't have to have rent. You can start it from your own home. It just was really the perfect fit. And so I went out and got my license and started doing this. And then of course, as I mentioned earlier, a few years later, people were asking about Medicare and bam, here you are. Now we've got almost 50 employees and we have policyholders in 48 states and we explain to thousands of people every month how Medicare works. And it's a really great field. I love the baby boomer generation that's aging in right now. And they also have a whole group of sweetest ever 90 something year old clients. (laughs) And it's really great to be able to reassure them when they have questions about their policy or a problem arises, being able to help them with that. So I just love the whole service aspect of helping people with a confusing government system and making that easier for them.
0: Well, I know you're multiple decades away from being on Medicare, but I don't (laughs) know anybody who does more to help people who are on it. And I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your knowledge with us today. Before we quit, is there anything I should have asked you but didn't or anything that you want the audience to positively know?
1: (laughs) That's a good question, too. So what I would like to say is, I know even listening to this podcast, it probably sounds really scary when you get to Medicare, but I'd love to encourage people that the coverage itself is really good. So when you age into Medicare, There's no pre-existing conditions. None of those things are going to be a problem for you. You get Medicare at 65, provided that you've lived here the five years continuously. You're eligible to sign up, and so you don't have to worry about that. And when you pair that with the right supplemental plan or Advantage plan it really is good coverage. So sometimes people fear Medicare. They have this group insurance that they've gotten used to at an employer, and they think that stepping onto a government program will mean that their coverage will be worse. And that is absolutely not the case. The coverage can be wonderful to use, and typically it's a lot less expensive than what people might have been paying on self-employed insurance if they're in that situation before they turn 65. Deductibles are low. The share that you have can be covered by the supplemental insurance. So I I like for people not to fear Medicare just because it's the unknown. Once you give yourself those few months to really investigate and learn your options, you'll quickly be able to see that the coverage itself is really good. So no need to be scared about it.
0: Yeah. And I can vouch for it, uh, obviously being on Medicare, but uh, more importantly, as as a provider, as a psychologist in a medical center, it's really a pretty simple insurance you yeah. know, type of thing. And Coverage is really quite good and very often the hassles are far fewer than with with many, many insurance companies. So I I certainly uh, appreciate the work you're doing for it. How do people get in touch with you?
1: Sure, so we're super easy to find. It's just boomerbenefits.com can find us online. We've got lots of resources there for you online on the website. And if you happen to be on social media, any social media, Facebook, YouTube, wherever, you can find us Boomer Benefits there as well. Our Facebook page has over 280,000 followers right now, I think. And it's because it's a fun page. We do a lot of fun stuff on there. And it's, a uh, you know, fun to participate in conversations. They're not all about Medicare. So if you want to come and hang out with us on Facebook, if you have a Facebook account, that's another great place to reach out to us. And you can always message us with any questions you have there as well, and we're happy to answer your Medicare questions there online.
0: Great, and we'll try to include the contact information in the show notes. Thanks very, very much, Danielle. It's been not just a pleasure talking with you, but so much more informative than uh, I could have imagined if I can just retain part of it.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. um, I enjoyed it, Ron.
0: Thanks again.